Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michaels, and I am here with Toby Daniel. And today is Tuesday, November the 29th. Geez, we're less than a month from Christmas. Can you believe it? <laughs> anyway, hi, Toby. How you doing? I'm doing well, Denise. Great to finally get this project off the ground. Yay. Okay, good. And uh, we're going to be talking about uh, Toby's price system book and uh, moving forward with that. So anyway, um, thank you for sending in the strategic book plan. I appreciate mm-hmm. having it here. Um, when did you? When were you able to listen to the audio? You know, I finished it today. I had bits and pieces on Sunday. I got probably 20 minutes in, and then I got distracted because I had a presentation I had to complete for work. But then I completed okay. it today. Um, so I did like between two days. I did it within two days. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So what what would you say you learned from doing this? You know. It's it's quite interesting, you know. Listen to the, yeah, probably what Karina, Ann, Kathy, Mary, Diane, Mickey, Lynn. <laughs> um, just the core values of clients is the key to selling, you know. And then yeah. when you think about that, and you think about the questions, what does your ideal customer expect? me to deliver right you know and then what goes into what what makes a customer buy you know that whole aspect i think what was it um i took a lot of notes here yeah people buy based on emotions and back it up with logic you know right it kind of just it it hits several tones you know um great information short call and then the whole whiz gap i thought that was really good Um, and I'm yeah. kind of contemplating yeah. and thinking about that as well. In my book, that was my marketing rule number four, was uh, people buy based on emotion and they back it up with logic. Now, you know, when you go through and you listen to this audio, the idea was to, you know, think about attributes of your ideal book reader, you know. Mm-hmm. But it really comes from a book where it's about, your ideal customer. So, like, some people end up writing down ideal customer and other people end up writing down ideal book reader. Um, One thing I need to ask you to do, I have to be completely honest, you're the first person who's ever sent it to me in a PowerPoint before. (laughs) Okay. You know? Okay. So, going forward, everything you send me, send it to me in Word. In Word. Okay. Will do. I can... Okay, okay, I can do that. Yeah. Yep. And um, um, what you want to do in Word is just use their standard margins, like don't change anything, you okay. know, and yep. use like 12-point font, which is like, you know, pretty standard. Sometimes they have it uh, defaulted to 11. Just pop it mm-hmm. up just a little bit. And then use either Arial or Times New Roman. Gotcha. Yeah, Times New Roman is usually my 
favorite. Yeah, well, that's the one they use in newspapers. And quite frankly, the reason why it's the most popular in books is because it's considered the most credible. Mm. You know, like like the New York Times, right? All the news is mm-hmm. fit to print, right? Yep, so that's what true. Is, what is what does TDL stand for? Um, so I think I told you about this. Um, the Daniel, yeah. So the Daniel Legacy Publishing. Oh, that Daniel Legacy. Okay, cool yeah. beans. All right, good, good. Okay. So were you, you know, when you did it, could you kind of imagine that person who was going to read your book, sort of sitting there in front of you and and connecting with them and everything? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I, okay. I think it, because I took it from a mindset of what I would expect, you know, and, um, you know, I, I think, and I've heard this from others, like sometimes when they read books from stars, motivational people that, you know, they've made it successful, you know, multimillionaires, you know, 10 times over or whatever, you know, they say, okay, but would you have read, this, would you have made this book had you only been a thousandaire, you know what I mean, a couple hundred thousand, you know, right. or you made, you know, so I, I think I took it from, my thought is to take it from that standpoint is look at it from your everyday working person, you know, your everyday working person that's going out there, and I think I can share use cases and personal experiences of my own, you know, that they can say, wow, that does make sense, yes, <laughs> you know. Yeah. You know, I have to tell you, an interesting thing happened to me. I think I told you in one of our conversations way back last spring that I worked with a couple of, you know, New York Times, like, mega, mega best-selling authors. And I don't know if you ever heard of uh, Robert Allen, the original Nothing Down real estate guy. Yep, yep. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I, I worked for him for seven and a half years, you know. And most of that time, I was a marketing trainer, you know, in their, uh, they used to call it Enlightened Wealth Program, and I taught marketing. I was like the lead marketing trainer. But at any rate, I remember one time when I had only been working with him for several months, going to his office, which it was like his business partner had like a business office with employees and everything like in an office building. But right, you know, in outside of Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, but Robert himself had an office in his home, you know, and did everything by email and phone and you know everything online um, mm-hmm. in San Diego, which was pretty close to where I lived at the time. I lived maybe 20 minutes away, and I remember one time being in his office and noticing that he had this characteristic of only doing one thing at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And I just thought it was really interesting. This is going to all tie together with what you just said about characteristics, qualities, and attributes. You know, I just noticed it was like if he was on the phone, he was 100% focused uh, on that call, and I almost felt like I wasn't in the room, you know. Mm-hmm. Or if a kid in high school happened to walk into the room and say, hey, Dad, can I ask you a question about blah, 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 you know, it was like he was 100% focused on that. Or if he was looking over some paperwork for something, he was 100, you know, it was like each thing he did, he was not multitasking at all, right? Right. And, you know, and here I was this sort of average working person, right? 
And mm-hmm. I'm driving back home, and I thought, well, that's easy for him. He's a multimillionaire, you know, because I always was a person, like, I prided, prided myself on being able to do, like, ten things at once, you know. Mm. You know, but always stressed out, and you know how that is, right? Yep. So, yep. at any rate, the next day I was thinking about it, and I thought, you know, because he did not start with a silver spoon in his mouth or, you know, anything like that. I mean, you know, he didn't start out destitute either, but, you know, he didn't start out with wealth or, you know, anything. So, um, anyway, the next day I was thinking about it and I thought maybe that's how he got to be where he's at is by embodying that quality of focus you know, that particular characteristic, right? You know, mm-hmm. maybe that's how he got to be where he was at. And so I vowed right then and there, okay, I am not going to multitask anymore. I'm going to focus 100% on what I'm doing and then move on to the next thing. And within the next year, my income quadrupled. Wow. Wow. You know, so it's like sometimes we think about things from like our station in life and where we're at right now. And we Mm -hmm. think, well, I have to do it this way because I don't have money and I have to work extra hard and I have to this and that, you know, instead of looking at someone successful who does it and instead of thinking, well, maybe they're like an excuse or maybe they're like they have an, an exception to the rule. That's what I wanted to say. They're an exception to the rule. It's like, well, maybe that's how they got there in the first place. Right. You know? Or one of the things that helped them get there, you know. Mm. So, anyway, I just think it's I just think it's kind of interesting because I was I was kind of reviewing and going through uh, some of the things that you sent me back last spring, and you know, kind of coming from humble beginnings and everything. And a lot of times that puts people in a mindset of, well, I can't have this because I grew up with a single mom or I grew up, you know, with this or without that or something like mm-hmm. that. And, and mm-hmm. you know, like it might appear that way on the surface, but right. it's not necessarily that way. Does that make sense? Yep. Yep. Complete sense. Yep. Yes. Okay. So let's see if we can add some things to your um, strategic attraction plan right now, which is why I ask you to do it in Word. <laughs> I can send it to you in Word if you want. I could, I just, um, I mean, if you, can, if you can add it to the PowerPoint, that's fine for now, you know, so. Yeah, okay. Uh, wherever, whatever, whatever works for you. So one of the things I would say is probably a characteristic quality and attribute is they would need to be open-minded. Yep, I agree. Right? So why don't we add that in? Open mind. Okay. Okay. Um, would it be realistic to say that person comes from humble beginnings? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, like, humble beginnings can be described in many, many different ways. It's like at the bottom of the spectrum would be, you know, I mean, we were homeless for a couple of years and lived in our car or, or something like that, all the way up to I was middle class and I had student loans when I got out of college. Or, you know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. a lot. But if they see themselves as coming from humble beginnings, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. 
That is a good one. All right. So, yeah, so add that. So honest, um, put next to that to honest the word integrity. Integrity, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then when you said responsive, what did you mean there when you when you said responsive? You know, able to take action. You know what I mean? Like somebody okay. that gets direction in there, you know, whether it's an idea or they're motivated to do something, they're responsive to whatever that thing is. Okay. Take action, so, you know. So let's, let's add a couple words here. Okay. Okay. Let's say uh, decisive. I have that. I, actually, that's number eight. <laughs> oh, duh. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, you're right. Decisive. Good. Okay, so then add action-oriented. Action-oriented. Okay. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. No, I, I, I had skimmed through it. It's like, how did I miss that one? So, okay. All right. So trustworthy. Trustworthy, I think, really is like the currency of how you make money in selling and marketing in today's day and age. You know, mm-hmm. um, I read a book a couple of years ago called The Language of Trust. Mm-hmm. You know, which, do I still have that? I might have gotten rid of it. I got, I got rid of a lot of books, took them to the Goodwill a few months ago, but but at any rate, it was mostly designed for people who are like financial advisors and stuff like that, and I think I did get rid of it because I felt like, um, you know, I mean, I haven't done a book for somebody who's a financial advisor ever, <laughs> you know, wow. but I mean, there's lots, of, there's lots of stuff out there on trust, you know, and yeah. so, you know, it really is the currency. And you think about the election that we just went through. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. how are you feeling yep. about that? Um, I, I kind of shocked. Um, you know, Me too. I, 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 I was kind of shocked. For the most part, I was kind of shocked. And it just, you know, America spoke. You know, I, I mean, I think yeah. when it, I was shocked, but then the realization came was like, and I had been saying it too several people that I've been in conversations was, you know, America, a lot of people, let me not just generalize what I say, lots of folks have been frustrated with politics. You know, although Trump came with a lot of rhetoric and, um, you know, just his, the way he went about his campaign was, you know, separatism and just causing, spewing a lot of hate and things like that. Yeah, he just, right. he just, you know, people relate related to his just who he was. You know, he was who he was. You know, everything you right. thought he was, he is. You know, he's not right. a politician. You know, but everything else, that's who he is, and that's what people responded to. So, I, I guess people right. just wanted the non-politician of you. You know. Yeah. So. Well, the reason that I brought it up is because. How many times did we hear over the course of the year people saying they don't trust the media? Yep. Right? Yep. You know, I, I, and on both sides of the aisle, you heard that. People don't trust the media. And part of the reason why we're so shocked is because, as it turned out, the media was not trustworthy, you know, mm-hmm. and they were, they were relying on polls. And, you know, not that 
they necessarily lied on purpose. I mean, but but a lot of them, they just wanted the other candidate so much that they skewed things, you know. And but but where I'm going with this is the idea that if you can't trust anyone, what do you do? How do you make decisions? Not just about voting, but how do you make a decision to buy a car? How do you make a decision to buy a new laptop? How do you make a decision to buy anything if you feel like you can't trust anybody? So it's like that's why this is so important, this number on here, to be trustworthy. Because mm-hmm. if you can be trustworthy, you can be like that one beacon of shining light, you know, in the middle of all this flotsam and jetsam of people saying, I can't trust the media, I can't trust whatever, you know, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. Similar to your lighthouse analogy or your lighthouse visualization exercise. You like the lighthouse thing? Yeah, yeah. I was just comparing what you were just saying, that beacon of light, you know, so the boats can see where to come to, you know, that trustworthy, that thing that they can depend on to give them guidance into the harbor, you know. Right. Right, it's yeah. like it's right there and it's steady Eddie all the time, you know. Okay, mm-hmm. so can-do can do attitude, I like that, can-do attitude, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, resourceful, okay, that's a good one. Decisive, mm-hmm. non-perfectionist, tell me about that. You know, and this is probably something for me um, more so than anything because I tend to look at things like things, you know, all I's have to be dotted, T's have to be crossed, and a lot of things that I do. And I've scaled back tremendously, you know, to relinquish that pressure and say, okay, use this as a learning lesson, a learning tool to grow your knowledge and experience in whatever it is that I'm doing. So, you know, somebody that, you know, because if someone read my book and they say, oh, so why you didn't do this? You know, why didn't you just go about it this route, you know? So, and right. I think that kind of takes it down a road, like, I'm not a perfectionist. You know, I would tell anybody, I'm not a perfectionist. However, the roadmap and the system that I put in place for myself worked for me, and I know it can work for you, you know, if you just have this mindset. You know, it's not a perfectionist mindset. Right. Okay. So here's what I want you to write down close to that, wherever okay. you can, is that, the perfect is the enemy of the good. Say that one more time. The perfect is the enemy of the good. All right. Yes. And very often the person who is the perfectionist is the one who won't get started until they can get it absolutely perfect. Mm. Yep. Right, you know. I remember many, many years ago. I was in, um, I, you know, I sold insurance. I think I told you this way back last spring, right? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, my boss encouraged me to take some tests to sell some investment products like mutual funds and stuff like this. And you had to get a seventy point seventy percentage points to um, to pass. Right. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I ended up getting like a 95, let's say. Okay. It was in the 90s. 
And he studied, he said, well, that's great, but you studied 25 points too hard. <laughs> you know? Wow. You know, in other words, like, you're, you're never going to get paid or get a commission check based on getting a perfect score on this thing. So why worry about getting a perfect score? Perfect is the enemy of the good. You know, like, like good that. is good enough. Yep. Right? Yep. Wow. I mean, that's powerful. You know, I mean, if you're competing in the Olympics or whatever, you have to go for perfection, right? I mean, we sell this idea of you have to be the fastest and the best and the whatever. But mm -hmm. if perfect causes you to stop, and this happens with a lot of people with their books, they just kind of get frozen, right? Mm -hmm. Perfect mm -hmm. is the enemy of the good. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. So um, number, well, it's eight on mine, but you've, you've kind of like moved them down a little bit. Uh, but mm -hmm. the next one on the list is accountable. So tell me mm -hmm. what account what you want to, um, where you're going with the idea of accountable. You know, so my thought of what accountable, just being accountable for their actions, you know. So anything that you start, you know, Taking accountability, if you make a mistake, take accountability for it. You, you, you can't blame no one else for the steps that you've taken, whatever route you've chosen, whatever advice you've taken. If you've taken those steps, take accountability. If you got bad advice or if you made a wrong turn, you know, take it as an experience. But you must right. be accountable for your actions. So what you're saying is willing to be held accountable, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so maybe add that in, willing to be held accountable. Yep, got it. And then, you know, I would I would kind of wedge one in after that and say, you know, willing to admit to mistakes. Mm-hmm. Willing to admit to mistakes. Yep. And, and we might find a way to fit this in the book somewhere, but... Um, at any rate, I remember I had a minister, you know, when I was back in Detroit, I used to go to, it was kind of like a positive thinking Christian, non-denominational Christian church. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Unity before, but uh, I remember the minister saying a couple times that a mistake does not make a, you a bad person. He said it's an ancient term from archery, and it means to miss the mark. <laughs> you know, wow. Right? So when you make a mistake, you miss the mark, you know. So anyway, write down, miss the mark. Miss the mark. I like that. Got it. Okay. All right. So the next one you have on your list is generous. In what way mm -hmm. do you see generous? You know, I think as I took it upon myself to come up with this system, and I want to share it with the world, and hopefully it can benefit one, ten, five, hundred, whatever it is. I would want someone to be generous in that nature as well, you know, whether they create, you know, create a system for themselves and they are able to share it. So generous in that aspect with the deed, you know, to pay it forward, pay this knowledge forward to the next person. Okay. Yeah, write, write down pay it forward then. Okay. You know, I mean, I was thinking in a business context, I was thinking like generous as a networker, 
Because you know how you always have those people you meet in business and they go, hey, wait a minute, I might have a lead for you, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. And they're willing to pick up the phone and call that person and kind of grease the skids and, and then you call them and they go, oh, yeah, so-and-so told me to expect your call. What do you got? You know, I, I kind of thought of it in that way. But mm. if what you mean is pay it forward and make sure you put that down, pay it forward. Yep, that's what I got. Okay, that's a good one. I like that. Okay. All right. So good intentions. To me, when I see good intentions, it means that their intentions are to do the right thing. And yes. that doesn't mean they all do it perfectly every single time. But it means their intentions, they have a good heart. They're in they're coming from the good place. Yep. That's where I was at. Right. That one. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and we got the non perfection, you know, above. So anyway. And then smart. Tell me more about smart. Do you mean street smart, book smart? What kind of way are they smart? You know, I would have to say, you know, a little both you know, both, you know, street and book smart. You know, when I think about myself going through high school, I was a C student, average student, very average student. When I went in military and went to military, I was one of the top, you know, five in my class. And, you know, in college I did very well. But I did learn a lot growing up and seeing other people do things in the street, if you will, and, you know, I learned from that as well. But I, I think having smarts, you know, having the ability to pull from either or or a combination of both, you know. Yeah, you know, it pops up in my mind. It's like they have the ability to process and do something with information quickly. Mm. Yes, yes. Yeah. Right? Maybe write that down. They have the ability to process and act on information quickly. Now, that might sound like decisive, but it's not quite because it's the processing of information. Especially right. since right. we live in you know, the information age. Yep. 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 Okay. I like that. Yep. Um, yep. Kind of goes back to the old term. It kind of real quick kind of goes back to old term thinking on your feet. <laughs> Got to be real quick. Right, yeah, think. thinking on your feet. Yeah, write that down too. That's good. Thinking on your feet. Okay. Yes. Um, sense of humor. I mean, we all know what a sense of humor is. I think it's really important, like willing to laugh at yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much what I meant yeah. by it. Right. Like, like, wouldn't you go crazy if you know in the world of business if you couldn't laugh at yourself? Yep. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. So I just like to kind of, you know, expand on these things a little bit so that uh, you can see um, what, you know, where we're at. So let's go to side two, what makes my ideal customer tick. And, of course, this is about core values. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So why do they get out of bed in the morning? Motivated to do a great job for the company he works for and to provide for his family. So would you say that your ideal customer is more likely to be a man? Um, no. So let me, let me tell you where. Let me really quick. You know me, what? Go, ahead. go ahead. If it is, it's fine. If it is, it's fine. But I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
So when you, you know, while I was listening to the podcast, um, I had heard, you know, you said whether, so I wasn't thinking. These answers came from, like, a former position that I had as an architect and a sales architect, and I went in. So that's what I thought. So we probably need to, you know, and I think these kind of tie into it, you know what I mean, from what I would expect from a customer, you know what I mean, or someone that purchases the book, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, because, mm-hmm. they, you know, my thought is they're going to be motivated to do a great job for the company as well as provide for their family. So that's going to tie into, you know, and what makes them wake up in the morning. I think what was part two of it, um, his, uh, you know, what motivates them. Usually there's some right. family stuff there, you know, and then right. number three is crazy how this is kind of lining up, though. <laughs> right. So, yeah, so the question number one is why do they get out of bed in the morning, which is, in a way, you're right. It's kind of like saying what motivates them, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, question number two is who is the most important person to him in the world? You put his wife and son. Um, is, is it possible maybe you thought his wife and kids? This particular customer that I was thinking about during that position, he only has one. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Yep. So let's generalize it just a little bit more and put, like, if you're okay with that, put his wife yeah. and kids. Yep. Okay. So let's see. Why do they get out of bed in the morning? Who's the most important person? What is most important? Being successful. Yep. Being successful. Okay. And, of course, that speaks to how do they define success, right? Because... It's a little different for everybody, but we'll get to that in a minute, okay? Okay. Um, okay. What does he want to accomplish before he leaves this world? To be remembered for the good work he's done, okay? And then um, what does he really love about his life? Being able to afford to live the life he wants. Okay, good job. All right, yeah. So, you know, when you say what makes your ideal customer tick, it really speaks to core values, which I think I mentioned on the audio, right? Mm-hmm. And core values really get down to how we measure success. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, I agree. Right? So I want you to write down underneath on side number two what makes my ideal customer tick. Mm-hmm. Write down, how does he define success? Got it. Right? You know, because there are some people where it's like, well, the job is just what I have to do 40 hours a week, but, like, their family is the most important thing on the planet, you know. There's mm-hmm. a lot of people that have a tough time with balance, right? You know? Right. And... You know, um, the well, then there's a lot of other people who say, well, you know, success is all about, you know, making the biggest bucks, right? You know, and then finding the balance in between. Or success is being able to travel the seven corners of the globe, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's it's all about how they define it. So it's like, how do they define success? And, you know, it might be a little bit different, slightly different for each reader, but it's like what's what's what really really important. Okay, so what does my ideal customer expect me to deliver? Let me go down and see what you put here. Okay, 
uh, educational information, personal experience, use cases. Mm-hmm. Oh, like like case studies, like stories. Case studies. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Personal consulting. Tell me about that. You know, so one of the things as I go down this road um, of, you know, I'm putting out a self-help book. So one of my goals is to become a life coach, motivational speaker, and things of that nature. So I kind of want to make that part of my product offering or service offering to my customers. Okay. All right. So that's one of the services that you're going to offer, but it's not going to be part of your book, although we want to make sure, as long as you're letting me know that, we want to make sure that we kind of slip it in there a few times. Yes, I was talking with one of my clients, and he said, blah, 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 right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but on this, what do they expect me to deliver? It's just like, what do they expect you to deliver in the book? Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. 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 I got you. I, was, so, I guess I was, I was thinking some of the forward thinking things that I wanted to have, you know, as well. But I got yeah, you. Yeah, that's yep. fine. You know, it's good information for me to have, but maybe expand on it. Just what do they expect you to deliver in the book? Gotcha. Right? Okay. Okay. So just kind of expand on that. And then um, the stuff on personal consulting, availability, consistency, realistic honesty, more products, online app, those, those are really great. Why don't we put those in a file and we'll call it um, future product offerings or, I don't know, something like that. No, that sounds good. That sounds good. That's exactly what I'm doing. Okay. All right. So where can I improve? Am I doing this 100% of the time? Currently, you're not doing it now. However, in my work and personal life, I am. Perfectly. That's great. That's great. Good. Good. So this was worthwhile for you? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So very good. Very good. When you go through and you redo question number three, what does my ideal customer expect me to deliver? You know, it's like you're going to give them educational information. You're going to give them uh, personal case history, right? You're Mm -hmm. going to give them, like, uh, for example, strategies and ideas to help readers and then fill in the blank. Gotcha. So what I want you to do in answering this question is think about the ultimate benefit. In other words, if somebody read your book and they totally dug it and they do everything you tell them to do, what would they have in like 60 days or 90 days? Gotcha. What would you say they would have, just off the cuff? Uh, confidence um, to take the next step. Confidence. So that's one of the things you're going to help you, that reader do is increase their confidence level. Right? Yep. yep. Okay. What else are you going to give them to uh, to help them be more successful? Increase their confidence, that's a big one. What else? I would say uh, clear direction. You know, they're they able to make, form a plan, 
formulate themselves a plan because they would have the ability to map out, you know, outside of looking at SMART goals, they're going to kind of internalize with the systematic mindset. They're going to be able to create their own map, if you will, to their success. So create their own goals or their own blueprint for Mm -hmm. success. Okay. So that's a good one. You know, just maybe just the word goal setting to make it quick. All right. What else are they going to be able to create? Uh, Let's see. Let me think about this for a minute. Um, You know, let me ask you a question, Toby. When you grew up, did you grow up in an environment where people were supportive and positive about you being successful or not so much? Not so much. Not so much. Okay, that's what, that's what I thought you were going to say. So would you say that your book is going to give your reader some kind of skills or something to ignore the nattering nabobs of negativity? Mm, I like that. Yep, yep, yep. I like that. Right? I think that was what? Nixon. President Nixon said the nattering nabobs of negativity, you know. Like how do you you know, like I, I remember I learned something from Les Brown many years ago. You know, are you familiar with Les Brown, the speaker? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So I heard Les Brown like when he was like just getting started, this was back in Michigan. He's originally from Ohio, but you know, this positive thinking church I used to go to, they used to have a different motivational speaker every Wednesday night. And one of them I saw a couple of times. And, I mean, and it was a big church. I mean, it held like 1,200 people. And it, they would they would fill it every Wednesday night, you know, with a motivational speaker. But anyway, I remember hearing Les Brown a couple of times. And, you know, when people would um, try to, like, drag him down and say, oh, you can't do this, you can't do that, you know. I mean, he would hold his hand up the way Les Brown does. And I've met him a few times, and I've met his daughter, who he's grooming to take over the business and everything as he's, you know, kind of retiring. But anyway, he would hold his hand up, and he would say, I'm sorry, I don't grow from that. (laughs) When somebody says something negative. I'm sorry, right. I don't know from mm-hmm. you know so if you think that your ideal reader comes from humble beginnings, right, and mm-hmm. they are going to um need um, you know some help with how do you deal with the people who are the nattering nabobs of negativity, giving them some coping skills. Would you say that you still cope with that today, or are people kind of like, you know, resigned to the fact that you turned out to be a pretty successful guy? No, I think the crazy part, the interesting thing is, is actually when they see it and they don't, they're not a part of it, they realize, wow, he's successful and they're not a part of your growth. You know, the negativity still exists. (laughs) But but you know what? it's a different kind of negativity. Like like what happens later is now, instead of trying to protect you and say things like, oh, don't even try it, it'll never work, now it comes out as, you know, jealousy and the green monster mm-hmm. and envy and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. 
Right. Yep. So, you know, if you jot down on number three, what does my ideal customer expect me to deliver is, you know, strategies for dealing with negative people. Yep. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. You know, especially when it's your family. I mean, you're going to see them all the time, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, I know my parents used to say, Denise, honey, you're a really good writer, but you're never going to make a living writing. (laughs) Right? So, anyway. (laughs) Anyway. Um, You get the last now, huh, Denise? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I did it, damn it. (laughs) Look at me now. (laughs) Look at me now. Yeah. Exactly. So, um, anyway, okay, let's see here. Um, Okay, so what I want you to go through is think about that ideal customer, all right? And basically, you were that guy 20, 30 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so think about what, what and who you were. 20, 30 years ago, and think, what would you have needed if you were to read a book like this, mm. that the mm-hmm. Toby J. Daniel of today feels like, you know what, I think I could help someone like that with this problem or with this issue or with this question. So, I mean, if it's something that, like, you don't want to deliver, don't do it, you know, right? Like, I haven't seen anything in your book so far about, like, dressing for success, for example. That's just not right. where you're going, right? doesn't mean Mm-mm. it's not valuable. doesn't mean you don't respect it. It's just that's not your passion. That's not where you're going, you know. But think about those areas where you feel like, you know what, you could really add some value to that reader's life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting that you bring that up, Denise. Um, it's crazy because when when I went from your normal engineering, you know, uh, corporate engineering role to sales architecture role, and my dress did change. And I noticed even when I wore a pair of jeans, some casual shoes and a blazer, everybody looked, wow, you're so dressed up, you know, and they did, you know, it it does do something to the psyche of another person when they see you that, you know, see you dress a certain way and, you know, you take care of yourself, haircut, manicure, well, manicure, and I've always been that way, but I never, I didn't think, I I didn't think to put it in the book. It's interesting that you bring that up. (laughs) I didn't think to put it in the book, but you do get it. Maybe you want to add a chapter on it, but, you know, if you don't, that's okay, too. You know? Yeah. It's all right. So, yep. anyway. Okay. And then where can they improve? That's fine. Right? So, that's fine. In fact, I'm thinking about recording that over and changing where can I improve with what do I need to do next? You know? Mm, okay. What do I need to do next? So, anyway. One of these days I'll get to that. Okay. So now you have a profile of who you're writing to, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And who I'm going to be helping you write to. 
And by doing that, you know, instead of like trying to imagine like who's that person sitting across the desk from you or sitting across the table at Starbucks from you, after doing this exercise, you have a much more clear picture of who that is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And what I do when I'm working on my clients' books or when I'm, you know, recommending that for them is like always kind of like skim through this real quickly before you get started writing and just get that idea locked in your brain of who you're writing for. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense, especially seeing it on paper. It makes complete sense. It's like you have these little rituals that you do, you know, before, you know, at least uh, me and a lot of writers that I know, we have these little rituals we do, you know, like go over this kind of thing if we're writing, you know, this kind of book. Um, You know, I make my tea just right and, you know, make sure that, like, the papers on my desk are cleaned and I've got, like, a little tiny piece of cellophane here. I don't know what that's from. Throw that away. You know, uh, get rid of the calculator on my desk. I'm not adding up numbers now. And just make sure that everything is set the way I want it to be set, and then I rock and roll, you know. Right. But but getting these ideas in your head of who you're writing to, like too many people write to like, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like they can't envision a human being. It's like the great unwashed masses, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say that you're writing to somebody that's younger than you? Um, I would say Not yes. I, I would say yes. However, I know there's people that's in their late 30s, early 40s that deal with that lack of confidence piece, you know, and trying right. to make that next step inside of a corporation. And they, because of their lack of confidence, you know, which was a huge obstacle for me, um, you know, it's kind of holding them back. So it can be so, a combination of both. So the confidence thing is going to be a really big part of this book, isn't it? Yes, yes, absolutely. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness, yes. Because I lacked it tremendously. And it was, you know, a large part of it came from, you know, things that was embedded in my mind from my mom, my sister, you're stupid, and, you know, things like that, that I held on right. to for such a long time. But I work myself out of it, however, you know. So what would you say was the top, you know, like, well, I mean, we can change this later or whatever, but just off the top of your head, Toby, what would you say were the top three things that led to your lack of confidence when you got out in the business world? Not knowing that I was smart. Okay. I I didn't think I had had the ability to be smart. Um, the mental blockage of things that were said to me in my past as a kid that I held on to. So like negative stuff you got as a kid? Yes. Okay. Well, why don't you call it stuff and put it in a big box for the moment, you know? Yep. And what would be the third one? Not seeing success, true success, you know, from somebody that came from my, you know what I mean, from my world, not seeing it. You know, so like and kind of like a lack of a lack of a role model. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yep. And then what would you say, just off the top of your head, were three things that 
you know, just, you know, we can change them. It's no big deal. But what would you say are three things that really helped you improve your confidence level? One, realizing that, you know, because I had my, I had two, my two oldest sons, you know, and my, after I got out of the military and I wanted to be successful and I wanted to provide for them. So back to your core values, I knew I had to do something to make money to be successful to take care of my kids. That was one. Okay. Um, two, I knew I had to do something different because I was such a quiet introvert growing up, held things in, didn't talk, didn't ask questions, didn't do anything. I just, if you gave me a box, I was in that box. That was the box. So I had to create my own box, um, you know, in order to figure out where I had to go. And three, I had to leave my surroundings, my, that quote-unquote, comfortable surrounding that which I knew. So I left New York where everybody was at, and I moved to California to go to school. So I had to leave. Wow. Okay. Go west, young man. <laughs> go west. <laughs> okay. So once you, once you make these changes to your strategic attraction plan, resend it to me so I have the latest version. Okay. Okay. I will do All that. right. Okay, and then we're going to move on to assignment number two. Okay. Okay, and that is a um, competitive analysis. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's what a competitive – have you ever um, read – I'm sure you have many times. This is a dumb question. But have you ever read a business plan? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so very often they have a competitive analysis where they sort of compare and contrast with different businesses that are in the same industry, that are competitors. Mm -hmm. Okay, so in your competitive analysis, you're going to compare and contrast with different books that are similar to yours. Okay. Would you say, Toby, that your book will be targeted towards minorities at all? Ah, I hate to pinhole it. I mean, it could be because that's my background. However, I I, I just... Say it again. (laughs) Your niche will make you rich. Yeah. I mean, so to your point, yeah. (laughs) You know, Toby, you don't don't have to say, this is a book specifically for African Americans, and if you are not African American, put it down. You know, you don't have to be that obvious about it. Right. You know, but if you say, you know, I grew up and, and, you know, I mean, I read that on page one, right? I grew up with a single mom. I only met my dad twice. It's like the people who went through that experience, whether they're black or white or Hispanic or whatever, they're the ones that are going to gravitate towards it. Right. Okay. Right. So we're not, we don't want to pigeonhole ourselves. But it's going to be people who kind of share a similar background to yours. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Does that make sense? Okay. All right. So going back to your competitive analysis, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to compare and contrast with books that are similar to yours. So here's how you do this. And you're, you're going to do half of it like going to a Barnes & Noble store? Do you have any in your neck of the woods? 
I do. I do, actually. Okay. Or it could be books a million or, you know, I mean, we don't have those in our part of the world, but at any rate, just kind of a large bookseller. Okay. Now, are mm -hmm. people going to find your book in the business section or the motivational section? Or there is uh, also a business slash motivation section. I would definitely say it can be in the motivation. Okay. All right. So what I want you to do is go to the motivation section, and you might want to go to the business motivation section also. Okay. Okay, grab some books that you're kind of drawn to. Okay. Take them to the cafe. Mm hmm Get yourself a cup of coffee if you like coffee. Yep. Okay, and I want you to look at them, and I want you to narrow down to about six books that you think are you know, they're not going to be exactly. That's why I use the word similar, right? Mm -hmm. They're similar to yours. Okay. All right. And, I, you know, I really do think you're talking, like, a little bit more to a male than a female. Mm -hmm. And I think that's fine. You know, it doesn't mean, oh, if you're a woman, put this down. You know what I mean? It's like, yep. no, that's, we're not doing that, but you are going to appeal a little bit more. Because when you say things like, you know, I absolutely, you know, what what made me feel more confident is I absolutely knew I had to provide for my kids, right? Now, yeah. single mom does relate to that, but might not have been raised with that. Or maybe she was. Right. You know, right? So, mm -hmm. at any rate. And what I want you to do is I want you to narrow it down to approximately five books, mm -hmm. you know, and get rid of the rest. Okay. Okay. And then I want you to write this down, write these things down, and some people will just take pictures on their smartphone and type it in later when they get home. But, um, you know, or some people will write on a pad of paper and other people will type it in Evernote or, you know, whatever they want, Okay. But here's what you want. You want the title of the book, okay. the author of the book, okay. who published the book, okay. the number of pages in the book. Okay. Okay. I want you to look over the table of contents and I spend a little time skimming through. Okay. And, you know, then you kind of have a pretty solid idea of what the book is about. Yep. So then jot down some thoughts on what this is, what this book is about. Okay. And you're going to do this at the bookstore. And then you do the same thing at home with, on Amazon. It's it's a little bit tougher 
on Amazon only because you can't look at the inside of the book? Right. Okay. However, um, on Amazon, um, you know, sometimes they'll have the table of contents. Sometimes reviews will give you mm-hmm. a sense of what the book is about. You know, you do it a little bit, you know. And then and then what I want you to do is just narrow it down to six of them. You know, so you had six from the store, six from Amazon, so you're going to narrow it down by half. Gotcha. Okay. I want you to, on Amazon, exclude, you know, like don't look at anything that's less than 125 pages. It's, you know how you can find these dopey little ebooks that are like 40 right. pages long or something. I mean, somebody wrote them in a three-day weekend or something, you know? <laughs> yep. I mean, yep. there's, there's, no, there's no real thought put into them. It's like somebody just uploaded it to Amazon so they could call it a book, but all they do is give it away as a freebie to get people's email addresses, you know? So, <laughs> yep. Nothing under under 125 pages, okay? okay. Fact, a full-length book really is considered 160 pages, all right? Yes. So now you've narrowed it down to six, and you're going to put together a strategic attraction plan, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to email you along with the link for our conversation, if you choose to re-listen to it. I'm going to email you the strategic, uh, the uh, competitive analysis I did for my book back in the day, so you can okay. use it as a template, right? Yep. So you're going to on the, on the competitive analysis. It'll end up being about two pages long maximum. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. You're going to have you know the book author, the uh, the title, the publisher, the number of pages. Um, and you want things that are fairly new, like with. And by the way, there might be books that you already have on your shelf, because most mm-hmm. of the time when people want to write a book, they actually have those kinds of books around. And then you know you kind of jotted down your notes on what this book is about. Mm-hmm. And I want you to write one paragraph for each book. So a paragraphs maybe six sentences, eight sentences, something in that ballpark. Okay, and half of it is about what this book is about, and the other half is the compare and contrast how your book is going to be different or better. Okay. Okay, you know, in other words, like maybe you come across a book by, I don't know, let's say Tony Robbins. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you decide to, you know, I mean, I don't know. That's just a name that came up, right? I'm not a big Tony fan, but let's say you decide to do a compare and contrast with Tony Robbins' most recent book. And you say, you know, well, Tony Robbins' book is good because blah, 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 blah. You know, however, he's such a, on a high pedestal. He doesn't understand what it's like to come from a family with a single mom and with this and with people discouraging you. And, you know, I mean, that that might be your compare and contrast. Right, gotcha. Yep, okay. Right. And I will send you, like I say, I will send you the uh, example of my, the one that I did for my book back in the day. Okay. All right. So does this sound pretty clear? 
Oh, my goodness. Yes, it is. This was great. <laughs> okay. So tell me what's great about it. Um, Because it's still like the, the, the book is really coming to life because now I'm thinking about my customers, you know, and so it's coming to life now, you know. It's like, you know, the first trimester of the, the baby being born, you know. Yeah, first trimester. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what would you what would you say you learned today, Toby? Uh, definitely, you know, you know, because when even with writing a book and just going over what I want my customer to expect from me, that kind of helps me kind of provide them those things by listening them out, by just during this conversation, listening them out and then understanding, like, this is what I want them to get out of this. And it really... Right kind of pulls out those things for me because, yeah, I want people to kind of relate to my, if I'm saying I'm going to give you personal experiences and case studies about things that happened to me and how I handled it, you know, so I'm relating a lot of this to me and that's the target, you know, that's, that's the ideal customer, you know. Right. Okay. Good. Yeah, and, and it's like when you sort of structure and organize your book this way, you know, um, I mean, the, the the writing part, it just comes a lot easier. And then you got somebody to, you know, go through it and, and, and make it sing and make it emotionally compelling and all those good things. So, mm-hmm. No, this is great. This is great. I'm really excited now, even more so than before. <laughs> good. Good. I'm glad. All right. So let's schedule your next meeting for, say, two weeks. Yes, that sounds good. Uh, okay. Now, does does your daughter always have games on Tuesdays? No, no. Um, that was a weird game, a weird day schedule for them. Okay. Going through the okay. end of the year, we should be fairly good on Tuesdays if we keep it at the same time. Okay. All right. So you're not, like, kind of fried out by this late in the evening? Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Okay. All right. Good. 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 I mean, for me, it's like the only thing that I would do that late in the evening is social media stuff, email. <laughs> you know, like something that requires like real thinking. I'm not gonna do at eight thirty at night. All right. So we're gonna put in here meeting number two. Uh, Toby, T O B Y, Daniel. I can spell D A N I E. Oh, and did you have any problems dialing in on the talk shoe thing at all? Nope, everything worked perfectly. Okay, good. All right, good. Now, part of what you get when uh, as you're working with me is, um, uh, you know, if you want to ask a question by, like, email or LinkedIn or something like that, you're welcome to do so. What do you, what do you like as far as... Um, you know, a way to communicate. Do you like email? Do you like LinkedIn? Do you like Facebook? What do you, what's the easier? Email is fine. Email is fine. Okay. For, you know, yeah, email is perfectly okay. fine. Okay, good. <clears throat> good. And I always try to answer those within 24 hours or less. You know, it's like if I'm going to be out of town or something and I'm going to be offline for a little while, I will I always let my clients know that so they know if they send me something in this one instance, it might be two days rather than one day. And very often it's just a few hours, you know, to get right. back to you. So, 
Anyway, okay. Good. I'm glad you're excited. I am. I am tremendously excited. This definitely brings it to life. It's bringing it's coming Good. to life. I'm right. seeing it clearer and clearer now. So I'm happy. Yeah, yeah. That's 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 getting your foundation in place really makes it clearer, you know. So yep. good. Okay, Mr. Toby, I thank you very much uh, for your time. And sorry, your daughter lost her game, but hopefully she'll win the next one. Her team will win the next one. So yeah, anyway, sure it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. And I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. All righty. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Denise. Okay. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.